Everybody, welcome to Bejuro. I would like to first of all thank uh, uh, tonight's sponsor, whoever sponsored the food. His name is Igal Ashurov. Uh, we should uh, hopefully should Hatan Bekarov. You know, he should become Bezalat Hashem in his food in the merit of tonight's Divrei uh, Torah and all the blessings that you make on the food. Uh, hopefully, we should uh, be dancing in his wedding very soon. Amen. Uh, and I also would like to thank Rabbi Farhi for opening the door of uh, the doors of his shul. For the Talmud Torah, he's really a man who does things Hashem Shemayim. For over three years, he he's been uh, hosting us here, and uh, God bless him and his family. Amen. Amen. And uh, tonight we have the pleasure of having uh, Rabbi Yaron Ruben. And uh, for those of you who never met him before, you you're you're in for a treat. And every time uh, I think of him, I think about the the great Rabbi Akiva. And before you know, before Rabbi Akiva became uh, the rabbi, he told his Talmudim, you know, when I was Amaharetz. I didn't know much. He said, I hated the rabbis so, so badly, I wanted to, to bite them like a donkey. You know, this Gemara and Psachim. You know, I wanted to bite them like a donkey. He said, why like a donkey? Because, uh, why not like a dog? He said, because the donkey, when he bites, he breaks the bones. That's how much I hated them, you know. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I'm sure the rabbi never hated the Talmudian Chachamim, but, uh, the, you know, so much, we see Rabbi Akiva, he went from not knowing much, to become one of the greatest uh, rabbis of his generation, I think about uh, Rabbi Yaron and, and about his story when he went from uh, not knowing much to to spreading the Torah uh, in, the, in the Jewish people, and it makes me you know makes my heart very warm to see you uh, teach uh, our people uh, the Torah. And thank you so much for coming. And for those of you that don't know, Rabbi used to be a millionaire in his twenties, uh, and then he went through a number of. Uh, uh, life-challenging ch- situations uh, and, and illness, and um, he, he was Hazar B'Tshuva, he, he came back to Hashem and, and, and started discovering the Torah and spreading it across the globe, really. So, thank you so much, Rabbi. It's a pleasure to have you, thank always. You, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you. Hashem, thank you for Kvod Arab, Yerushut Arab, Kaal Kadosh. It's a pleasure to be here again. Baruch Hashem, anyone that knows that uh, the famous lecture that I have about personal story, even though we've said it several times, the most successful one was actually over here, in this shul. And uh, Baruch Hashem, CD number two, which I put some over there, it's free. Uh, anybody that wants to pick it up, the first track is this famous lecture that uh, has moved people from everywhere around the world, as far as Australia, People in Africa, people in all over the United States, Canada, Europe, everywhere. It's been in six continents so far. Somehow we're trying to figure out how to get it to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. We don't have anybody to receive it yet. No one wants to be in the cold. <laughs> but overall, this shiur that we did over here, Baruch Hashem had so much siyat dishmaya that uh, I now understand why. When you have a group of people doing mitzvot it's like okay people doing mitzvot all the time Baruch Hashem Am Yisrael has mitzvot like a rimon each one of us does a mitzvah whether we mean it we don't mean it we do mitzvot what's the big mitzvah? what's the best mitzvah? first of all the best mitzvah you're ever going to make is the next one the next one you're going to make is the best mitzvah you're ever going to make and after that is the next one but the best, best mitzvah is the next one that's just for Hashem. Not for you, for Hashem. Kvod Arav, I mean, Le'avdil for me and Rabbi Akiva, I wish I could just be a shoe that he threw out. 
Rabbi Akiva at the end of his life, he said something to explain to us what's a real mitzvah. Real mitzvah. There's mitzvah and there's a real mitzvah. There's Rabbi Akiva's mitzvah. As the Rashaim are killing him, scraping his skin, Shemirachem, Mamash makes you want to cry, you think about this. Students are telling him, Kodarav, enough. You could say the Shem Meforash, you could say Hashem's name. Not say you kill all of them. The whole army dies, just when you say the name of Hashem. Do something. And Rabbi Akiva says, All my life I've been saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokecha, Konavshecha, Konavshecha, You love him with all your heart, with all your money, with all your soul. Okay, with all my heart, said them. I dedicate, I learn Torah, I do this, I do that, said them. Money, every bit of money that I have to the caller, Tamidim. But my nefesh, I thought my whole life, how am I going to fulfill this mitzvah? How am I going to give my life for Hashem? He controls when I die, when I live. Now I finally have the chance to die on Kiddush Hashem. Meaning, I have no benefit out of this whatsoever. I'm dying. It's the end. It's not like tomorrow everybody say, Oh, Rabbi Akiva, Chazaku Baruch, you died. Oh, Rabbi Akiva, we're going to open a Beknesset in your name. Oh, Rabbi Akiva, we're going to do nothing. I'm dead. Meaning the only profit is for Hashem. My mitzvah is 100% for Hashem. And you want me after waiting 80 years. 80 years I'm waiting for this mitzvah. Because you only did you age 40. 80 years I'm waiting for this mitzvah. And you want me to interrupt it? You want me to stop it? Finally I get a chance to do mitzvah net 100% for Hashem. When you have people like the Rav said... They're running an entire organization, Baruch Hashem, Shuret Torah, every week. Rabbis from different places, local, far away, Shuim, different languages, men, women, whatever you want, just come. For free. Free. That's a mitzvah. Mitzvah Shfar Hashem. Shfar Hashem. Now I know why we have Seth Nishmai here. Because it's 100% for Hashem. Everyone here involved is 100% for Hashem. It's not for profit, it's not for popularity, it's not for fame, it's not for fortune, it's not for anything. It's 100% for Hashem. And when you do it, 100% for Hashem, you get all those things anyway. Just like when Shlomo HaMelech finally was, at a young age, was made king. And he had an opportunity to talk to Hashem. And he said, Hashem... Please, just give me the wisdom to judge your nation favorably, according to your Torah. Not to use my own sechel, not to use consultants for $500 an hour, or in New York, there are a thousand, I think. Let me have the wisdom based on knowledge of your Torah. Not philosophers, not Aristotle, Torah. So I can judge your nation favorably. Hashem says, you could have asked for anything. You're a tzaddik. You're a king. Malach Hashem. You could ask for anything. You could ask for money. You could ask for power. You could ask for women. You could ask for whatever you want. 
All you want is to judge my, my babies, my children in a good way according to my Torah? Not only will I give you that and the most wisdom that anybody has ever had, but I'll give you everything else too. Why? You did everything lishma. You did everything for Hashem. This will give us a little bit of a perspective of what brought me here in the first place. Oh Hashem, my family lives here. But we're so busy doing lectures different places, we don't have time to visit as often. But as we mentioned in several of our shiurim, in the Gemara, Masechet Avodah Zarah, page 4, it says at the end of times, before the Mashiach comes, there's going to be a lot of converts. A lot of people are going to have Siyat Dishmaya, they're going to wake up one day and say, Ah, I need to join Am Yisrael. Okay, but you're a Christian, your parents are idol worshippers. I don't care. I'll disconnect if I have to. Okay, but your husband is an atheist. I'll divorce him. I don't care. Okay, but uh, your children, they don't believe. Okay, I'm going to convert. They can stay whatever they want. Okay, but it's difficult. Right now, you don't have to keep Shabbat. You can do whatever you want. No problem. I'll keep Shabbat. Okay, but now you have to be modest. You know, last week you were able to walk like a cow or a giraffe in the middle of Africa. Now you have to be modest. In reality, even Goyim have to be modest, but it's a bigger stringency on Jews. So you have to be modest now. No problem. I'll be modest. Okay, what about all the clothes? You have Louis Vuitton and Versace and Armani and all of their uh, friends. Garbage. Yeah, because you can't sell it. Why? Because somebody else is going to be not modest. <coughs> Tens of thousands of dollars worth of clothing goes in the garbage. No problem. Hashem is going to give me new ones. 100% Nasirut Nefesh. Yeah, but now you have to learn all these laws. No problem. The Gemara says there's going to be a lot of that. At the end of times before the Mashiach comes. And Ishtabach Shemar La'ad was seeing new ones every day. Every day, and no exaggeration, every day, there's a new email, a new text message, a new something, a new phone call from someone Somewhere around the world, watch the shiurim, whether it's the personal story or the series or something, and says, Kodarav, I've been looking for you my whole life. I need help. What can I do? I can, what do I know, Bechlav? Help me. You're looking for me. What do you want from me? Kodarav, I need to convert. You have a million rabbis. You want me? Goes, no, no, no. You know. You went through it. Your wife's a convert, you have other students a convert, you understand the mind of a convert. Like, yeah, but you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to be 100% Jew. I don't deal with fakers. It's either you're 100% or you're nothing. There's no 50-50, we don't deal with 50-50. There's no 99% truth. It's either 100% truth or 100% lie with a little bit of truth in it. It's either from or nothing. Not for the looks. The looks doesn't matter to me. What are your actions? Rabbi, I'll divorce, I'll this, I'll that. Whatever you want, I need to convert. Why do you want to convert, Bechlal? For what? He goes, because I, now I know the truth. You mentioned this, you did this, you did that. I know the Torah is true, and I can't stand it. I don't want to be a Noahide. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. I must convert immediately. 
And these people, every day, Baruch Hashem, and once in a while someone graduates, Baruch Hashem. A few months ago we had a student that converted. Baruch Hashem, right now she's in Israel on a Shiduch. Someone came from not only a Christian house, but the father is a pastor. She's more frum than most frum people. She knows more Torah than most Jews. And today, Baruch Hashem, we had the schut to have another Jew graduate. Another convert joined Am Yisrael. Turned our entire world upside down. And did more in six months than anything I've ever seen. Now even though she already began to become interested in Judaism over maybe almost a year and a half, two years, when the Beddin asked her, okay, but when did everything change? When, when did you know, okay, this is for you, this is that? And she says, you know what, I've been interested for a while, but everything changed a little over six months ago, seven months ago. I spoke to the rabbi, he told me a few answers, and I knew this is it. From that moment on, I opened the Torah, and I never left it. So they start asking questions. Now, I bet Dean, usually they get to know the person over a period of time. They ask him a few, usually the test is simple. Sometimes it's five questions, sometimes it's ten questions, depends on the Bedin. But it's usually simple questions. But the student, they would ask her a question, and she'd give them an answer. She could write a chapter of a book. Extensive answer, sources, this, that. So the Bedin started enjoying it. It became like a chavuta. So she started asking, continued asking questions. She says, listen, we're not really asking you these questions. Just see, we just want to know how much you know. It's amazing. And she starts giving answers and answers and answers and the Gemara in here and the Gemara in this and this one this and Talmid Chacham. How do you know so much? An hour and a half of questions. Usually it's five minutes, ten minutes. An hour and a half of questions. It became a Chavuta. We're all enjoying the shiur. How is this possible? When somebody discovers... The truth, they have a decision to make. It's either you're going to run after the emet, or you're going to decide yourself to stay a faker. Because once you know it's true, once you know it's emet, you have to make a decision. Once you know it's 100% from God, once you know it's 100% divine, you must make a decision is it real? Now I have to apply it. Or I have to live with myself knowing that I'm a faker. Once she discovered it, Baruch Hashem, every mitzvah we would learn, she'd take it on. Okay, it's new. Okay, next day she tells me, okay, I threw out my entire wardrobe. Okay, Shabbat. Okay, I threw out all the this, I did this, I did everything. Every mitzvah, she learns it. Immediately she changes everything. Unbelievable. And Gemara tells us there's going to be many of these. And Baruch Hashem, we're getting many of them. And that's what brought me to New York in the first place. But now, the same Gemara, later on, tells us that these converts are going to be like a skin disease for the nation of Israel. 
What is the skin disease? You see, these converts, once they actually see the emit, once they see the truth, they're so zealous, they love Hashem so much, they do so much for Him, it makes the rest of us fakers not look so good. Not that we needed the help to not look so good sometimes. Sometimes we do ourselves a favor and make ourselves look so bad. But when you see it, Sadiqah learned more to in six months then most, uh, most of us know, are you serving Hashem appropriately? It makes you question, am I really doing everything I can? We're not talking about Einstein here, we're not talking about someone that has a special brain, we're not talking about somebody with an IQ of 500, we're not talking about someone, we're talking about a normal person, decided this is the truth, let's say I'm going after it. And she has a job, and she has everything that everyone has here that's a distraction. And five times more, because she also has people that try and tell her not to do it. So now we have to ask ourselves what's the difference? So, Baruch Hashem, a couple of months ago we started a new series called Musar Pirkei Avot. And now we're up to, I think, number 12 or 13. And we're going to go over to a couple of Mishnayot. With Siyad Lishmaya Be'ezad Hashem, we're going to connect these Mishnayot to the question we're asking. How? I don't know. Be'ezad Hashem. Hashem will tell us. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Mishnah Yudchet, 18. Perek Aleph, first chapter, 18. We're at the end of the chapter 1. And then Be'ezad Hashem... We're going to even do the uh, first Mishnah of chapter 2. Rabban Shiyobi Gamliel Omer, Ashlosha Dvarim Aolam Kayam, Aladin, Vala Emet, Vala Shalom. Shenemar, Emetu Mishpat Shalom, Shiftu Bisharechem. Rabban Shiyobi Gamliel says, The world endures on three things law, truth, Emet, and peace. As it says in the book of Zechariah, Prophet, chapter 8, verse 16, you shall adjudicate the verdict of truth and peace at your gates. So here, Rabban Shimon Gamliel, that comes from Shimon, his grandson, he's also the father of Rabbi Yudah Nasi that put this Mishnah together, this whole Mishnah, from where the source of Agmara comes from the Mishnah. He's the father of Abi Yudah. So we know, he comes from a family of kings, of leaders, champions, of the best of the best. So now that you know where it's coming from, we have something to learn. If I told you a homeless guy in the middle of Harlem said this, you say, ah, what do I care what a homeless guy said? I'm telling you, Rabban Shimon comes from a family of kings. Okay, we have something here. And he's telling you something simple. Civilization as a whole must have three qualities. It must have law, it must have truth, it must have peace. Whether that civilization 
is overall, which is logic, you must have law so people don't just kill each other like animals and behave like a lion chasing a gazelle. You have to act appropriately. You know that you're not allowed to steal. You know that you're not allowed to murder. You know that you're not allowed to cheat on your wife. Or else divorce you and take all your money. You know a lot of things. Law. Said Dean. And you have truth. Truth. You can't have false witnesses. You can't have bribery. You can't have corruption. Pretty much everything we have today, you can't have it. You can't have the Saudis fund a campaign with a billion and a half dollars and think that it's a kosher election. They're obviously giving an IOU. They're giving money because they're expecting something in return. They don't like you that much. But also internally, you know, this law and this truth also applies to you. Because before you get to the peace, which is a state of every, everybody's desire, everyone wants to have peace, every country wants to have peace, even though it seems like sometimes we want war, in reality, everybody wants peace. The, the way that every country justifies going to war is by saying, we're going to have this war so we can have peace. Was well, an easier solution. Don't go to war. And you already have peace. Reminds me of a story. Someone sees the story. I don't know if it's true or not true. It's an interesting Musa Iskid. Henry Ford, the famous anti Semite, has a few things that they say about him that are nice. We can learn some Musa from it. He himself was an anti Semite Lashah. But they say that one day he sees a guy fishing. He says, what are you doing fishing? He says, I'm enjoying life. Says, yeah, but why don't you go get a job? Because for what? So you can make money. For what? So you can get married. For what? So you can have kids. For what? So you can provide for the kids. For what? So you can go to college. So what? For what? So they could grow up and be married and have kids of their own. So what then? So you can retire. For what? So then you can relax. Because you're a fool, I'm already doing that now. So you have D. Judgment has to be fair. Peace is the ultimate goal. But in between the two, there must be a mix. In between the two, if there's no emit, you can't get the peace. We say that we have to go to war because we want to create peace. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's false. Sometimes really, we want to go to war because we want oil. Sometimes we want to go to war because we want land. But sometimes you want to go to war because you know that if you don't go to war, you're gonna, there's going to be chaos. Some psychopath is going to take over the world. And you can't let them. But this all applies to us as well. 
In order for you to get to a state of peace, first you have to judge yourself. First you have to evaluate yourself, and if you have to ask yourself, am I like my father? Am I like my forefathers? In the Gemara, Masechet Chagiga, page 3. It says, they quote Psalm 47, verse 10. It says, The nobles of the nations gathered the nation of God of Avram. This is referring to the nations coming to Hashem, the God of Avram. So the Gemara asks, okay, all these converts are coming, all these nations want to come to Hashem, they want to come to the truth, they want to leave the idol worship of Christianity, they want to leave the idol worship of Buddhism, they want to leave the heresy of Islam, they want to come to Hashem for the truth, the end of times, before Mashiach comes, because the Gemara says, Tractate Abu Dazara, page 4. Once the Mashiach comes, no more converts. That's it, the end. No more converts, no more tshuva, no more nothing. Doors closed. Once CNN announced, breaking news, Mashiach is here. Where you are is where you stand. Yorasha, Hashem Yerachem. Yotzadik, Ashrecha, Vashrech Elkecha. You're still wondering of whether you should keep the next Shabbat or not, Mashiach can't help you anymore. You're wondering whether you should eat Domino's pizza? Mashiach can't help you anymore. It's too late. He's here. You're wondering whether you should convert or not? It's too late. Mashiach is here. No more converts. So the Gemara asks, okay, so there's going to be a lot of converts at the end of times, but why do you call them the nations that are coming to the God of Avram. Why is it not Avram? It's Hakin Yaakov. He says because Avram sacrificed his life to convert everyone. Make them monotheistic. Avram spent his entire life looking for Ansheimit, looking for people that want the truth. Great, so we learn about Abraham. But now in this week's parasha, last week's parasha, last, we're learning about Yaakov. So now also, same thing like Rabbi Shimon, we know where the source is. We know that Yaakov has good roots, Abraham. So let's see what Abraham produced. Grandson, Yitzhak, we already know, Akedat Yitzhak. Who's this Yaakov? Are we serving Hashem? Like our forefather, Yaakov. Well, let's see. In Parashat Vayetzeh, one day, Yaakov comes to his wives and he says to them, Yadatim ki bechol kochi avati etavichen. 
ואבי כן, הטל בי והחליף את, את משכורתי עשרת מונים. Now you have known that I was with, I was with all my might, that I served your father, Lavan, Rasha. Yet your father mocked me and changed my wage, changed the salary, changed the deal, changed the contract a hundred times. What's the Chidush? You all heard this before. I said a Chidush, Baruch Hashem. A year or two ago, that's the question. Everyone knew that Lavan is a Rasha. It's not a Chidush. Everyone knew. He was such a Rasha that the reason why Yaakov went to him is because even Esav was scared of him. Esav, Gdolador of the Rashaim, is scared of Lavan. That's why he went to him. So it's not a secret. They said the only thing that you know about Lavan is that he's automatically a liar. Even his name is a lie because his whole life is black. And his name is Lavan. Everyone knew he's a cheater. Everyone knows he's a rasha. So if everyone knows, of course his daughters know also. So what is Yaakov saying? Finally, he's telling his daughters, yeah, your father has cheated me, changed my salary a hundred times. What? They don't know their father's a criminal? They don't know their father's a... Everyone knows. Even Esav that lives in a different country knows. What's the chidush here? Yaakov Avinu did something that should put us, give us a little bit of perspective who we're dealing with here. 20 years of working and being cheated day after day, being given the wrong wife, being given the wrong salary, being given the wrong contract, a hundred different types of contracts. For 20 years, Yaakov Avinu did not complain even one time, even to his own wife, Bechede Chadarim, in private. He never told even his own wives Lashonara of truth, but Lashonara about their own father. Twenty years he did not complain. For twenty years he let his wives, the daughters of this Rasha, believe that their father is doing okay by him. I go to work, he pays me. The fact that he changed the pay a hundred times, it's not, they don't need to know that. The fact that their father is a rasha, they don't need to know that. For what? What are they going to tell them for? So they hate their father, so they don't want to invite him for Pesach, so they don't want to go over for Shabbat, so they don't want to have the kids play with them all of a sudden. For what are they going to tell them? Machloket within the family? For what? 20 years of suffering quietly. When did he finally say it? He said, okay. Hashem told me I must leave. Now in case you don't believe that this is the will of Hashem, understand a little sign of why Hashem, a little sign, not the whole reason, but a little reason of why Hashem said I must leave. is because in reality I didn't tell you 
Because I didn't want you to have a little sikhsuk, a little altercation with your father, but in reality, your father, he's been cheating me since day one. So Yaakov Avinu, who had the right, who was correct in this, if he said, listen, your father's a cheater, a week after he's there, he's 100% right. They knew too. If he said, listen, your father really told me I was supposed to marry your sister. Your father really told me that I was really supposed to get this many sheep. Your father really told me ta-ta-ta. He had the right to do it. They said no. There's no benefit. All it's going to do is create problems. For the sake of the sanctification of Hashem, for the sake of Shlom Bayit, and for the sake of not making an avera of saying Lashon Ara, kept quiet for 20 years. We hear a juicy rumor we're not even sure is right, 20 seconds later it's already on the news. Yaakov Avinu, 20 years. Tzedem. Later on, Parashat Vaishlach, Yaakov Avinu, who didn't exactly have an easy life, says Hashem, I know I've gone through this 20 years of torture with Lavan. Thank you very much for that. I know that I had some issues with the kids. Thank you for that. I know I had this. I know I had that. But Hashem, you're so great to me. He says, Katonti mikol ha-chasadim u-mikol ha-emet asher asita et avdecha. I have been diminished by all the kindness and by all the truth you've done your servant. Meaning Hashem, everything you're doing I know is for my own good. Even the tikkunim, even the problems, even the headaches, even the loss of money, even all the problems. I know it's all good for me and it's so good you're actually doing me chesed. Thank you. You're doing me too much chesed Hashem. I don't deserve so much chesed that you're giving me. All these problems you're giving me. That's the second thing we learn about Yaakov. But the final one is this. We know that Yaakov was cheated. We know that Yaakov took it the right way. But then, if we go in the middle, at the end of Parashat Vayetzeh, when Levan finally catches up to Yaakov, accuses him of stealing this, that, Yaakov finally says, enough. He says, these 20 years I've been with you, your hues your she- and she-goats never miscarried, nor did I eat rams of your flock, meaning I never even took a shawarma sandwich while working for your restaurant without paying for it. That which was mangled, I never brought to you. I myself would bear the loss for me, you would extract. 
Meaning if I worked in your restaurant and the steak fell on the floor, I didn't like clean it up and give it to the customer anyway. I paid for it and I gave the customer a new one. Why are you going to lose because of my mistake? Whether it was stolen by day or stolen by night, someone stole, I paid for it. Not you. Why? Because you put me on the Shomer. It's my responsibility. And say, listen, why don't you claim insurance? Call the insurance company. They're going to pay. No, you put me in charge. Somebody stole. I took it on me. And I didn't even tell you about it. I'd say, hey, listen, do me a favor. Parnassah is a little difficult now. I'm getting married. Kids are going to yeshiva. It's tough. No, no, no. Something stolen, something lost. I paid for it without second, without second guessing anything. This is how I was. By day, scorching heat consumed me. And frost by night. My sleep drifted from my eyes. This is my 20 years in your household. She says, whether I was in the Ganom heat of Florida or the freezing cold of New York, I worked full time. I forgot what sleep feels like, Bichlam. Now, Rav Nisim Yagen, Zechir Tzadik Livracha, Ask the question. And it's a good question we have to ask ourselves. And Be'ezrat Hashem, Rebbe, Rabbi Shimon San, will give us the answer. The question is, now we know that Lavan was a Rasha. We know that Lavan cheated Yaakov for 20 years. We also know now that Yaakov worked his heart out, rain or shine, cold or hot, loss or profit. The question is, can anyone here, myself included, say that we're serving Hashem Barach like Yaakov served Lavan Rasha? Are you working for Hashem the same way that Yaakov worked for Lavan Rasha that was cheating him? Or is every time the snooze button is close to your hand, you're pressing it 18 times because you don't want to go to nets? Or every time Shabbat comes in, you're about 15 minutes away, you make sure that you answer an extra few emails because... Chash v'shalom, you don't answer a business email before Shabbat. Or is every time your wife looks at you the wrong way, you forget that you're not supposed to exert anger like an animal, and immediately you lunge and act like a wildebeest on Discovery Channel. Are we serving Hashem that's giving us eyes, ears, Mouth, brain, cells, panasah, zivug. Things we know of, things we don't know of. Things we understand, things we'll never understand. Are we serving the Hashem that gave us the ability to enjoy both this world and the next world to, to the, such an extent that as Rabbi Mizrahi said in a recent lecture, 
is this is the amazing part of Hashem. He punishes us by sending us to the exile. It's a punishment to live in America. This is Egypt of modern day. It's a punishment to live anywhere else other than Israel. It's a punishment. The land vomited us. Our souls weren't exactly tzaddikim in previous generations, so we're here. Pseder. But Hashem loves us so much that even through the punishment of vomiting us to exile, He still allows us to enjoy the exile. No one wants to come back home. No one wants to go back to Israel. Once in a while, he says, oh yeah, I'll move to Israel. But no, I have to have panasah. I have to have a house with four rooms. I have to have nice view. I have to have a job that's giving me $25,000 a month. I have to have all my kids in the best schools. I have to have conditions for Hashem. Hashem, if you give me all these conditions, I'll move to Israel. But if it's going to be a little uncomfortable, if they have, my kids have to walk seven minutes to school, no, no, Hashem, come on. It's is too much. We're enjoying the punishment so much that we forgot it's a punishment. That's how much Hashem loves us. So this very same Hashem that loves us so much that allows us to even enjoy the punishment, are we worshipping Him as much as Yaakov served a Rasha named Lavan? Rebbe, Rabbi Udanasi, the son of Rabban Shimon, and Mishnah Aleph, in Perek Bet, Mishnah Aleph, chapter 2, first part, says, Ezoi derech eshara sheyavor lo ha'adam, kol shei tiferet la'oseha, v'tiferet lo min ha'adam, ve'eve zahir b'mitzvah kala k'bachamura, she'en ata yodea matan sekharan shel mitzvot, ve'eve mechashev efsed mitzvah k'neged sekhara, וסחר עבירה כנגד הפסדה. הסתכל בשלושה דברים. ואין אתה בא לידי עבירה. דמה למעלה ממך, עין רואה, ואוזן שומעת, וכל מעשיך בספר נכתבים. Translation. רבי, רבי יהודה הנשיא, says, Which is the proper path that a person should choose for himself? To be considered an אדם. And we'll discuss what Adam means. Whatever path is a credit to himself and his creator and earns him the esteem of fellow men, be as scrupulous in performing a minor mitzvah as you do in a major mitzvah, for you don't know the reward given for the respective mitzvot. Calculate the cost of the mitzvah against the reward and the reward of sin against its cost, consider three things, and you will not come to the grips of sin. Know what is above you, a watchful eye, an attentive ear, and all the deeds are recorded in a book. Okay, Be'ezrat Hashem, this is the answer, we'll find out why. First of all, who is Rebbe? Rebbe is the son, as I said, of Aban Shimon, but in the Gemara, 
Rebbe also says one of the reasons why I merited to be a Talmit Chacham is because I made sure to see the back of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir Balanes was his rabbi. What does it mean he was meant to, he made sure to see the back of Rabbi Meir? Meaning he made sure to see his rab on a regular basis. He didn't get too comfortable and just watch his lectures on YouTube. He went to the lecture. Why? Because he already knows from Shemaim there's extra shrut going to the lecture. So much so that the Gemara Masechet Brachot it says that the biggest reward of listening to a lecture is the way there. What do you mean the way there? What about sitting there for two hours listening to the Rav? If it's a high level speaker most people are not going to understand what he says anyway. Not everybody's high level. And even if it's a traditional speaker most people are not going to remember everything he says. So you listen to 100%, you remember 25%, and you understand 10%. But Hashem loves you. Remember, Hashem wants to reward you so much that even the punishment feels good. So he says, okay, I want to give him full reward, but I have to have emit. Because the whole world stands on three things. One of them is emit. So I have to find a reason, I have to find an excuse of what, for what to reward him. Oh, he took the subway to the lecture. Okay, I'll reward him for that. Oh, it took him two hours to get to the lecture. That's what I'm going to give him the reward for. That's where you get the reward. So he has extra schut of going to the lecture more than pressing the button on YouTube. <coughs> or at any time, or anywhere else. So this very same Rebbe is saying this. What's a derech yeshara? What's a proper path for you to be considered Adam. In the Gemara, Masechet Yevamot, page 61b, it says, Hashem says to Am Yisrael, you're all called Adam. Atem Kuim Adam. But none of the other nations are called Adam. But none of the other nations are considered Adam. So as we all know as Jews, there's never been a shortage of anti-Semites. Baruch Hashem, there's plenty of them. Every generation, more and more anti-Semites. More and more people hate us. So in the times of Rabbi Shapira Milublin, which is the founder of the Daf Yomi. Daf Yomi, people learn one Daf of Gemara every day. They finish the entire Shas approximately every seven years, a little over seven years. A huge accomplishment. So at the time of Rabbi Shapira, there was a court case against Am Israel. They found a Jew. They convicted him of murder. And Rabbi Shapira came to protect them, came to defend them as the lawyer. And one of the cases that the Rashaim, the Goim, used against them is like, listen, why should we listen to anything you say? 
in your own Torah, your own book, you say that your God says that you're the only ones that are considered Adam. You're the only ones that are considered people. No one else is a person, just you. Rabbi Shafir says, no, no, you have to understand what that means. Why is a Jew considered Adam and no one else? Because when a Jew is in trouble, we're all in trouble. If you convict this Jew, this innocent Jew, for murder, you're going to say all the Jews are murderers. If you convict this Jew of stealing, you're going to think all the Jews are stealing. All the Jews are thieves. If this one Jew is caught on camera yelling at his wife in the middle of the street and it goes on CNN and Fox News and the rest of the wicked channels where I say, look how the Jews abuse their wives. If you see the Jew arresting a Palestinian terrorist and the Palestinian says, ow, but they only catch the ow part. They don't catch the fact that he just Tried to kill 18 people. And it goes on the news. Say look. At these Israeli soldiers persecuting the innocent Arabs. Not the terrorists. The Arab. A religion of peace. So when one Jew is in trouble. We're all in trouble. Meaning we're all Adam. We're all one of the same thing. But that's not the same for the rest of the nation. One Arab's a terrorist? Say, okay, that's just one terrorist. Rest of them are tzaddikim. It's a religion of peace. Okay, but you have almost two billion of them, and at least half, admittedly, are anti-Semite. No, but it's tzaddikim. They don't really mean it. When one goy makes a sin, one goy makes anything... It's only him. But when Am Yisrael acts like a fool, it's Chilul Hashem. Meaning it makes all of Judaism look bad. To such an extent that Hashem made sure that you're reminded of this every day. In your Siddur, Couple times a day, you do korbanot. Korbanot for tefillah. And it goes to the section of talking about the ktoret, the incense offering, and it has a certain amount of parts and a certain amount of amounts of each one of these incenses. You have to put this and you have to put that. And this is what they did in the Bet HaMikdash. Both the one in Yerushalayim and the one in the desert for 40 years. They had one of the korbanot, one of the, is an incense offering. But what most people never noticed, or never acknowledged, or never really paid attention to, because we're in a hurry to get to Amidah. We're in a hurry to already leave the Bikness, we just got here. We're already in a hurry to do Alenu Shabbat. Alenu Shabbat turned into Bikataderich. We do Alenu Shabbat on the way home already. 
No, you get to Alev and Shabbat, six people outside already. We never know. I'm the only one noticing it. You notice also, right? Okay, so it's true. So now, it says something interesting. Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Yehuda. Both of them were Tanaim. Both of them were Tzadikim. Both of them were Anshay Malchai Hashem. Angels. But they say something a little strange in this tefillah that we say several times a day. In so many words, if he puts too much or he puts too little, Chayav Mita, death penalty. I said one time, being a little bit machmir, no? It's an incense offering. Okay, the guy messed up. Fire him. You, not allowed to do incense offering anymore. You're fired. Like the president-elect had a show for 15 years telling people he's fired. He got famous. Okay, you're fired. No more incense offering for you. But kill the guy. And not only kill the guy, you have to kill him. You don't have like, hey, listen, you know what? I know your father, you're a good guy, you didn't mean it. Go, go. I'll tell him, uh, it's not you. Somebody else messed it up. No, chayav mita. Death penalty. Anybody ever ask a question? Hey, come on, why are you such a machmir? Why are you such a charidi? So black and white. Oh, come on. Killing the guy, he messed up on an incense offering. Fire him. Sue him. Throw him in jail even. Chayav mita. Lo pachot velo yoter. The Ramban says that when we did the incense offering, it would create a pillar of smoke. But not a regular pillar of smoke. A special pillar of smoke that stood from where the Koban is all the way to the sky. And would stand straight, even if there was a strong wind, it would never move. But if there was a mistake, it would turn into Eshzara, a foreign fire. Now let's see what this really means. First and foremost, we see that Hashem has this pillar of fire. What does He want it for? What's the outcome of this pillar of smoke? So there's three types of people that look at this pillar of smoke. We're in a camp for 40 years, there's three types of people. First person, Keep Shabbat, keep Starat Mishpacha, kids go to yeshiva, everything is good. Once in a while, Parnasat doesn't come in on time. Once in a while, one of the kids gets sick, Hashem Yerachim. Once in a while, Shlom Bayit is not great. Once in a while, he has a safik. But what's going on? He has a little bit of emunah problems. It's emunah. Emunah is a muscle. You don't exercise it, it dies. You don't get tests in life, you won't have emunah. 
So this guy has emunah problems. He looks up and he sees the pillar. He sees the pillar of smoke. He's like, oh, reminds me. Hashem is in control. Look at this pillar. It's a miracle. There's strong wind coming from Mexico, coming from this place, coming from that place. The pillar is not moving. Hashem is above nature. If Hashem is above nature, then He can control my Parnassah. I don't have to work seven days a week. I don't have to work overtime. If I really, really believe, I don't even have to work. Hashem will send the Parnassah directly to me. But if I use my time effectively, if I'm watching TV all, time, all day, go back to work, my friend. But if you are Tamit Chacham, Dedicating your life to the Torah, dedicating your life to Zikwe Rabin, dedicating your life for the sake of Hashem with a clean mitzvah. You believe in Hashem, you don't even have to work. Meaning a regular job, you work a different type of job. But nonetheless, Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah and Masechet Beitzah says that your Parnassah is decided on Rosh Hashanah ad Rosh Hashanah. Meaning Hashem decides how much money you're going to make regardless of how many hours you work. You work 9 hours, 9 to 5. You work 20 hours. You work 100 hours a day. You invent a new time machine. You work 1,000 hours a day. Whatever you work, Parnassah is the same. Doesn't matter how much you work. You invented something new, Parnassah is the same. You have a new store, Parnassah is the same. Hashem already decided how much you're going to make. If you really understand and apply this, you're never going to spend one minute being stressed out about money. Because you know it's not up to you. Only thing that's up to you is going to work. Go work. You exert your effort. You come home and you actually really live life. Work is a part of life. It's not life. You go, you work, you make money, whatever. You exert your effort, you go home and that's where life is. Life is applying the Torah. Applying the Torah in your business, being honest. Applying the Torah in your business, doing Kiddush Hashem. Where people say, oh look, Am Yisrael is honest. Am Yisrael is yashar, they're, they're straightforward people, they're not looking for kombinot, they're not looking to cheat the system, they're not looking to uh, cheat insurance companies. They're straightforward people. You go home, look, Am Yisrael has shlom bayit, Am Yisrael is not just a uh, kid factory where no kid has any midot. You know, people like to have kids, they want to have 5 kids, 10 kids, 50 kids, 100 kids, that's great, chazaku baruch. But if all of your kids are going to be zoo animals, don't have any kids, do me a favor. Why do I have to suffer? Because you want to have kids. Teach your kids midot. Don't bring your kids to the Beknesset if they can't sit down and be quiet. Because then it's not a mitzvah to bring them to the, to the shul and uh, have them uh, create chaos. The rabbi is trying to say, they're lighting fire under the chairs. Keep them home. But if you could teach them midot, then it's Kiddush Hashem you have so many kids. It's a mitzvah to have kids, but only if you could follow the Torah, follow the rest of the instructions. Having the kid is part of the instruction. Teaching them how to act like human beings is the other part. So now you taught your kids. You have Kiddush Hashem at home. You have Kiddush Hashem with the wife. Everything is good. Oh Hashem. You're doing everything good. The next part is that once you do Kiddush Hashem, you realize 
that Hashem is giving you things in an easier fashion. All of a sudden, you don't necessarily feel the need to work overtime because you see that you're fulfilling Hashem's will and He's giving you only tests that are necessary, not necessarily tests that uh, everyone else gets. But nonetheless, you realize that the purpose of life is not just working. The purpose of life is to connect to Hashem. And you're applying this Gemara to your life where you know that no matter how much I work, Parnassah is going to be the same. So you're never going to fall into the trap of the guy that has Amunah problems. The second type of person that sees this pillar is someone that didn't look up initially. He had Amunah problems, but he gave up right away. He didn't want to ask. He didn't want to go to the rabbi and ask him, Kodav, what do you think? Why is Hashem doing this? What does it say about it in the Torah? What this? No, no, already, automatically, he got a test, he got a flat tire, he abandoned the car on the highway. All of a sudden, his wife looked at him the wrong way, he wants to get, wants to get a divorce. All of a sudden, something small happened, he's giving up on everything. So he left. So he's in the mountains. He got into a problem, he left the entire Beknesset. Why? Those machloket in the Beknesset, this guy wants to pray this way, the other guy wants to pray that way, this guy wants to sing, the other guy wants to hurry. So he said, you know what? I'm not going to Beknesset anymore. Left everything. <clears throat> Once in a while though, he looks back. He's in the mountains, but once in a while he looks back you know, to see how far he went. What does he see? He sees the pillar. The same pillar that's not moving. What does it remind him of? He goes, oh. Judaism is not about the Jews. Judaism is about my connection with Hashem Barach. Because even if there was no Jews, and I was alone on an island, I still have to be a Jew. I still have to find a way to eat kosher. I still have to be modest. Just because I'm surrounded by monkeys doesn't mean that I, have to, I can act like a monkey. Just because I'm surrounded by thieves and criminals does not mean I'm allowed to act like a thief and a criminal. Because Judaism is about your connection with Hashem Barach. And the guy that looked back, he says, Hey, doesn't matter what the Beknesset is saying, Machloket, they want to sing, they want to dance, they want to this, they want to that. I need to go to Beknesset because it's a minyan. It doesn't matter if I agree or disagree. What does it say in the Torah? That's what I do. That's the second guy. The third guy is the Goim. The Goim forever... Always ask, why does Hashem make so many miracles for Am Yisrael? For what? What do they do? And they also look, they look into the sky and say, oh look, from far away, you see this pillar. This pillar of smoke. It's like, oh. The Jews make a special kolban, an incense offering for Hashem. We don't do it. Goim don't do anything special for Hashem. They actually have a religion that says you don't have to do anything. They say, listen, some guy died. And therefore, because he died, the rest of us don't have to do anything. So they actually created a religion to justify doing nothing. But the Jews, we haven't stopped dying because of Shem and Achem, they keep killing us. But every generation, we add more chumot. 
We had more mitzvot. More things to do. We don't stop working for Hashem. From morning to night we have mitzvot, 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 mitzvot. So you say, look, Am Yisrael is doing so much for Hashem. They even have a special incense offering that has to be precise. Makes this special pillar. It doesn't move to the right. It doesn't move to the left. That's why he makes miracles for them. Because they work for him. They do something for him. We do nothing. So Ramban says, this is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Step number one, the guy that had emunah problems. Now he doesn't have emunah problems. He went to the rabbi, he asked him a few questions. The rabbi showed him a few sources. Look, you're not alone. This happened to Avraham Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yaakov, everyone. It happened. David Melech did not sleep more than 15 minutes in his entire life. Every 15 minutes, he'd have to wake up, deal with problems. Slept like a horse. Problems his whole life. Baruch Hashem, we sleep 8 hours a day. Some of us more. Some of us are machmirim, 12 hours a day when we sleep. <laughs> Especially if you're like high school and college, machmir, 18 hours. You're lucky you're awake, Bichlal. So, first guy, emunah problem, solved. Second guy, left the camp, you're doing kiru, you send some rabbi with some crazy idea, come, come, come back. Mechalet Shabbat Mot Yumad, Nechetan Efesh Mehmeh, you scare the guys, oh, okay, okay, it's between me and Hashem, you bring them back, you did Kiruv. And then the Goim asking, what is Hashem doing all this for them? He show them this, ah, Kiddush Hashem. So now we understand why this special pillar of smoke is special. We have a chance to do Chizuk, we have a chance to do Kiruv, and we have a chance to do Kiddush Hashem. Number one mitzvah in the entire Torah, Kiddush Hashem. Gemara, Masechet Chagiga, page 16, says, if you're not involved or caring about Kiddush Hashem on a regular basis, on a daily basis, you're not trying to sanctify Hashem's name every day, it was better that you weren't born. At Kedekach. Meaning, if you're not trying to do Kiddush Hashem, what are your life for, Bechlad? So this Korban, you read in your Tefillah every day, it's like you did the Korban. But if you're not reading it with Kavanah, you're not doing Kiddush Hashem. You're not doing anything. If you're a criminal in your business, you're doing Chilul Hashem, not Kiddush Hashem. Which leads us to the next point. Now what happens if we mess up on the incense offering? Ramban says, It becomes a foreign fire. What's a foreign fire? Meaning, it's just a fire. There's no pillar of smoke. So now what happens? We still have the same three people. First guy with emunah problems, looks up, sees nothing. Now his emunah problems becomes a disaster. Now he doesn't even know if there's a God. Before, he wasn't sure if God cares about him. Now he sees nothing. He doesn't even know if there is a God Bechlad. He starts hanging out with the atheists. The guy that left the Beknesset looks back. He only sees the same Jews he got into a fight with. It's like, oh yeah, that's the ones they got into a fight with. Good, I'm leaving. He gets even more confidence that he made the right decision by going against Hashem. 
You may have lost on Hashem Yachem forever. And then the Goyim, they ask, what is Hashem, you know, why is He giving so many miracles? They look up, they see nothing. Then they say, maybe Hashem made a mistake. So now instead of having Chizuk, instead of having Kiruv, instead of having Kiddush Hashem, we have the opposite. The Chizuk ended up being Amalek. It turned into a Safik. Safik and Amalek, same gimatria. The guy that had Emunah problems looked up, saw nothing, now he has a Safik. Now he does not even sure if he's going to stay religious. Bichlal. The guy that left the camp, he was supposed to do Kiruv, now it's Rihu. Now it's, instead of Zikwe Rabim, it's Machtia Rabim. The guy is lost now. He was keeping you know, Shabbat in kosher now. He went down from all the mitzvot to two mitzvot. Now he left the camp. That's it. Became a goy. Now he lost a Jew. And last but not least, when the goyim was supposed to see a reason of why Hashem is blessing Am Yisrael, are they honest? Are they good? Are they this? Are they that? Instead of doing Kiddush Hashem, it's Chilul Hashem. And Chilul Hashem, my friends, Chayav Mita. So now you understand why every day Hashem made sure that the sages put this in our tefillah. He says a few times a day you have to understand and remind yourself that your actions matter. You're either going to be a chizuk for your environment because of your actions. You're either going to bring Jews back to Hashem or distance them away. You're either going to be a Kiddush Hashem or a Chilul Hashem. If you're a Kiddush Hashem, you have a purpose. Chilul Hashem, according to Rabbi Natan, according to Rabbi Yehuda, according to the Gemara, according to the Zohar, according to the Shulchan Aruch, according to everything, Chilul Hashem, Chayav Mita. I was reminded several times a day about this. So Rabbi Yehuda is telling us, first of all, be a Adam. How to get to be a Adam? She tiferet lo osel v'tiferet lo min Adam. Whatever the path is credit to himself and his Creator and earns him an esteem in his fellow man. So here we understand to create credit for yourself is tied to your Creator. Meaning, if you're doing kiddush Hashem, you're doing zikuyah rabim, you're helping people do tshuva. You're helping people with emunah. Your actions are causing other people to want to come to Beknesset. Your actions are causing people to want to learn Dafyomi. Your actions are causing people to want to keep something. Then you're doing a benefit for yourself because you're doing a benefit for others. But then the next part breaks it down for us. It says... Be as scrupulous in performing a minor mitzvah as you do a major mitzvah. For you don't know the reward given for the respective mitzvot. Calculate the cost of the mitzvah against its reward and the reward of the sin against its cost. Says, listen, since now you know that everything you do has to be for Hashem. Everything you do has to be for Hashem. And everything you do has to be something that Hashem wants. 
In order to do that, you can't start picking and choosing which mitzvah you're going to do. You can't say, oh, listen, Shabbat, machmir, greatest Shabbat in the world, ochim, this, that, but the rest of the week you're a thief. Modesty, great, I'm going to put the jacket, I'm going to put the hat, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put that, but he goes to the casino. Because Chilul Hashem, for all the Chilonim, say, oh, look, I'm here because... I don't believe in anything. Me and the giraffe are the same thing. But what are you doing here? With the strymal playing Texas Hold'em with me. What are you doing here? At least take off the uniform. Take off the costume. Leave it home. Why are you Chilul Hashem? Why are you coming to the club with the hat? Or like these Machshimam Neture Karta putting the Palestinian uniform. On top of the tzitzit and talit. For what? You want to be an Arab? Be an Arab. You want to be a terrorist? Go there. Move there. Don't be a faker. It's either you're 100% or it's nothing. In order to do that, you have to remove your opinion. There's no big mitzvah, there's no small mitzvah. You don't know the reward. Everyone wants to do the big mitzvah. What do you think the big mitzvah is? The big mitzvah is the one that's popular. I'm going to write a Sefer Torah. I'm going to open a Beit Knesset. I'm going to donate to a hospital. Why? Because my name goes on the building. So everyone's going to know. Ah, Shrecha. You build a building. What a tzaddik you are. They don't, he doesn't tell them, listen, yeah, but I also got a benefit tax-wise. <laughs> and if I didn't have this donation I would have to pay the money in IRS taxes anyway he doesn't say that so on top of the benefit he got from the IRS he gets kabot from everyone oh what a tzaddik donated 100 million dollars to a building what will we do without you he wants to donate to Beknesset why because he wants to run the Beknesset he doesn't want the rabbi to run the Beknesset he became the rabbi the guy's Amar it barely knows one Mishnah but he wants to tell the rabbi, no, no, rabbi, I don't think you're right. Rabbi learned Torah since the day he was born, he was born with a sefer Torah in his hands. No, no, rabbi, I don't think that's what Abraham Avinu meant. Do you even know how to spell Abraham Avinu? You're telling the, the rabbi how to, how to run his shul. You learn Torah, Bichlal. you know anything. You're telling the rabbi how to run the shul. Chutzpan. The rabbi, Mesirut Nefesh, from the day he was born, learning Torah, learning everything. You're telling him how to run the shul. What do you know? Why? Because you have money, you have a high IQ. But why? He wants to donate because he wants to run the shul. He wants to donate because he wants everyone to know, oh, that Sefer Torah, that one's mine. I wrote that Sefer Torah. Like he wrote it himself. Like he knows how to write Hebrew. Knows what happens. So the Bo Hashem, but take this, and especially in Brooklyn, they have too many Sefer Torah. Gets to a point that certain but take this, have a place where they keep all the Sifret Torah, but the Halakha says, you have to use it, open it at least once a year. This is a problem. There's only 52 weeks a year. You get to a certain situation where you can't use some of these Sifret Torah, so you have to lend them. To other Bateknes, it becomes a hassle. But every week they accept more. Why? Because everyone wants to say, oh, no, no, I donated a $60,000 Sifret Torah. Yeah, but I donated a $50,000 one. It's not that. I got a better deal. Yeah, but I donated $100,000. That means I love God more. Everyone wants to know, no, but how come he's not using my book? Because he's using my book. 
or my book, or my book, or my book. Who would you do the mitzvah for? For you, your honor, or for Hashem? Who's benefiting out of this mitzvah, Bechlam? The Beknesset has 300 Sifre Torah, it doesn't need anymore. Thank you. But what about the living Sefer Torah? What about the one that's alive? The one that moves? The one that learns Torah from morning to night? That actually reads what the Sofer wrote? What about the Avrech? I have an Avrech in Israel. Mamash, this story, I saw it in the shiur the other day, some of the people in the crowd started crying. My Rav is Mamash, special, special person. Tzaddik, Anav, humble, huge genius. I can't even explain how smart he is. That's how smart he is. We have shiurim, to give you a small, tiny example. Sometimes we have a shiurim. And once in a while it gives me like a taste of like what Chuchmat Torah is, not for his honor. He says, listen, everything I'm saying I don't know. It's 100% but just for Kiddush Hashem, to show what the Torah can do. He says, pick any verses in the Torah, as many verses in the Torah, as many topics in the Torah, and we'll connect all of them. So, what do I know? I say, okay, so we're going to open the book. Okay, okay, this is the first verse. I tell him the first verse. And then, Deuteronomy, this verse. And Seven Nevi'im, this verse. Joshua, this verse. This one, again, five verses, ten verses, a thousand. It doesn't make a difference. On the spot, with connected to the Mishnah, connected to Masechet this, connected to all these things. Good luck. On the spot, lecture, you would think he prepared it for six years. On the spot. And everything is connected like you wouldn't believe. What we used to do for fun, he said, give me any word. Any word. So I said, okay, apple. Gives me a chidush on an apple. Dvatoran apple. Okay, so I start looking for weird words. Closet. He gives me a chidush on closet. Any word. You pick, Dvatoran on the spot. But not Dvatoran like one sentence. Dvar Torah, half hour lecture. This is Chokhmat Torah, this is Siat Dishmael, this is when somebody is connected to Hashem, glued to Hashem. Now, this genius, this tzaddik, is telling me there's an Avrech in the Kolel who's a Gaon. Now, if I told you somebody's a Gaon, like, hey, what do you know? But when a Gaon says somebody else is a Gaon, that means something. He says, there's one guy in the Kolel who's a Gaon. But Miskan has a big test right now. They shut off the electric in his house. His wife is losing her mind because she didn't know that they have such financial problems. She's not willing to leave the house already three months. And I just saw his daughter, little young daughter, eight, nine years old, ten years old, walking around with holes in her clothes because they can't afford to buy her clothes. Mamash poverty. One of the people that's like Mamash, giant in Torah, doesn't have food to eat, doesn't have money to pay electric. His wife doesn't want to leave the house. 
and to ask somebody, hey, tzedaka, maybe help out, electric, this, it should never get to that point. Why? Because instead of buying all these sifre Torah that we're not even using for $60,000, for $50,000, you could finance 10, 10 of these, 20 of these avrechim for all year. 10 of these living sifre Torah. So this is what Rabbi Udanasi is telling us here. Be scrupulous with the minor mitzvah as in a major one. Meaning remove your own opinion of what you think is a small mitzvah as a big mitzvah. You think it's a big mitzvah because everyone's going to know. You think it's a big mitzvah because your name is going to be on a door. You think it's a big mitzvah because it's a sefer Torah and you can feel it. And the small little mitzvah is the avrech. Yeah, I'll give him $10. Like you're doing him a favor. Yeah, I'll send him. Yeah, you have a dollar? You have $10? You have $20? Walking Sefer Torah. When we use our opinion, we get in trouble. We get in very, very deep trouble. Now the only way we can get to this point is if we understand what is the value of Torah. Resh Lakish in Masechet Brachot, page 63. They ask him, who gets Torah? He says, you get Torah. Resh Lakish was the top mobster of his time at the Tshuva. Top gangster. That the people were so scared of him. That if he just spoke to anyone, automatically everyone knew that person's okay. Everyone would do business with that person. If he didn't speak to you, everyone was stayed away from you. He did tshuva. And not only he did tshuva, his, his rab was Rabbi Yochanan. All over the Gemara you see Rabbi Yochanan. And he got to his level. So this former mobster, Baal Tshuva, that became Gdolado, he's telling you, how did I get Torah? This is how I got Torah. Grind yourself down the words of, down over the words of Torah. Exert to the utmost in order to acquire them. For Resh Lakish says, From where do we know that the words of Torah are not retained except by one who kills himself over Torah? For it's stated in the book of Numbers 19.14, This is the Torah of the man who dies in the tent. Resh Lakish is saying, you want Torah? You want to be like this Avrech? You want to be like Rabbi Ephraim that knows everything by heart? You want to connect every verse? You want to be a walking Sefer Torah? It requires Mesirut Nefesh all the way to the point that you're willing to die for the Torah. Now, not all of us are at this level of dying for the Torah. But all of us want the privilege of having some share in it. The way we can get a share sometimes because we learn Mesirut Nefesh and sometimes by removing our own opinion and knowing that, listen, there's tzedakah and then there's tzedakah. There's tzedakah for me and tzedakah for Hashem. There's mitzvah and there's mitzvah. 
there's mitzvah for me because everyone's going to know, oh yeah, he's a tzaddik, he did this, he did this, he did this. And then there's the best mitzvah. The best mitzvah is the next mitzvah. The next mitzvah that the only one that knows about is Hashem. Because the only one that you did it for is for Hashem. When you give money to an avrech, when you give money for kiruv, when you give money for any of these things that are purely for Hashem, it doesn't get publicized on CNN. It doesn't get publicized on Bloomberg. It doesn't get publicized in any community. But up there, they write it down. And Rabbi Udanasi is telling you, listen, you want to get to the point of fulfilling mitzvot and kiddush Hashem on a regular basis? All you need to do is remember three things. Know what's above you, which is ayin roa, a watchful eye, ozen shomat, an attentive ear, and that all your deeds are recorded in a book. You want to have the highest level of mitzvah on a regular basis? You want to be a walking Kiddush Hashem? You want to be a walking Sefer Torah? You want to be the greatest you can possibly be? Very simple. First and foremost, know that Hashem is watching. So before you yell at the guy that cut you off, Hashem is watching. One time, Someone was giving a ride on a horse and a carriage. I believe it was the Chafetz Chaim. And all of a sudden he pulled over. He started taking some things from the land that wasn't his. And the Rav said, they're watching, they're watching, they're watching. The guy immediately dropped everything, jumped on the, on the wagon and started going. Got out of the city. Stopped eventually after his heart re- relaxed. So, oh, thank you, thank you. Where'd you see them? Where'd you see them? They're watching. Where? Where'd you see them? It was up there. They're watching from up there. So know that everything you do, the business transaction, where you overcharge in an illegal way, Will you take what doesn't belong to you? They're watching. All of the servants of Hashem are watching you. They're reporting it to Hashem, who already knows. But the difference is, they're coming and they're accusing you of making this crime. And Chazal says that every time a Jew says a word, an angel takes it up to Hashem and says, this should come true. Even if that word is going to be against that own Jew. Even if that word is the Jew cursing his son because he got upset at him. The angel says, look, the Jew said it. Let's fulfill it. So much so, that one time a bunch of... Uh, Thugs came into the yeshiva of Rav Wasserman. 
זכר צדיק לברכה. היסטוריה, קורסינג בלאגן, מס. And the rabbi came out and he said, what is this? And one of these uh, thugs was, uh, you know, chutzpan also. Didn't have any manners or anything. He goes up to this old man. He goes, oh, no hands, no hands. Like, rabbi, don't beat me up. Like the old man can beat him up. Rabbi Wasserman says, no, you no hands. The next day the guy got into an accident, lost both of his arms. When a Jew with a holy mouth says something, it also gets fulfilled. So first and foremost, realize that not only is the eye watching, but also in Shabbat, is an attentive ear, listening to every one of your words and trying to fulfill it. If your blessing is not with Kavanah, and instead of saying Asher Yatzar, he's doing Barkat Amazon. Somebody's listening to it. And what they're doing with it? They are recording it in a book. So now we have to ask a question. How do we get to a point of being like Yaakov Avinu? Okay, we're not going to be able to not say Lashon Hara about someone that's cheating us for 20 years. Fine. Okay, we're not going to say that everyone that cheated us, the death, the death, the criminals, the this, all these disasters that happened in our life. Thank you, Hashem. You should give me more chesed like this. Okay, fine. We're not going to get to that either. We're not going to get to that. At least I'm not. But how do we get to a point where, you know what, we can say with a full heart, we're serving Hashem with full kavanah, at least as much as Yaakov did to Lavan Rasha. Well, I know that at night I'm working for Hashem, in the morning I'm working for Hashem, whether it's cold, I'm still going to Beknesset, it's hot, I'm still going to Beknesset, tough economy, I'm still honest, good economy, I'm still honest, the, the customer is blind. I still give him what belongs to him. The customer is deaf. I'm still not saying bad things about him to make fun of him. How do I get to that point where I can say, you know what, at least I did that. At least I'm working for Hashem. Like Levan, like Levan got an employee named Yaakov doing for him. How? And to finalize everything... We go to the seventh chapter of Shmona Prakim by the Rambam. And the Rambam says, there's many Midrashim and Agadot that describe the connection that the prophets, all the prophets throughout time, had with Hashem. Some of them spoke to Hashem through sleeping, a dream. Some had an epilepsy, some had meditation. But there was one prophet named Moshe Rabbeinu, where Hashem, is, Hashem himself says, he spoke to me face to face. And in Midrashim and Agadot, and also including the Gemara, Masechet Yevamot, page 49b, says 
that the way that the prophet spoke to Hashem was like through a veil. They had different veils, different levels of separations between them and Hashem. But they were able to uncover some of these veils. So like so like you know, so if you have one of these fancy houses with 18 curtains before you actually see the window, the prophet was able to take away like six of them and see a little bit more light. Or ten of them. But Moshe Rabbeinu is a different level of prophet. Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Hashem like you would look through a brilliant glass. Meaning that it was shining like a diamond, but you still, it's not 100% baru, it's not 100% clear, but it's as clear as ever. How did Moshe Rabbeinu get to that level? How did Yaakov Avinu get to that level? Very simple, the Rambam says. We all have intellectual shortcomings. Foolishness, naivety, difficult in understanding. We all have ethical shortcomings. Gluttony, pride, anger, brashness, love of money, all types of desires. We all have all types of flaws, all types of limitations. I have one student, he says, I pray to Hashem four hours a day to make me rich. I'm okay, do you have a job? No, not yet. I don't know if it's high level emuna or something else. I have another student who tells me, you know, Shlom Bayit is very, very important to me. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, yeah, I prayed extra on Rosh Hashanah. I wore all white. I wore all white. Baruch Hashem. You learn any Musar? No, 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 not yet. I'm still focusing on something else. Oh, is that why your wife keeps calling my wife? Telling her that you're coming home like a uh, raging uh, lion? Every Friday you, she's, she's worried about her life? So Rabbam says, listen, all of us have these little flaws. Some of us love money too much. Some of us get too angry. Some of us have gavad that can reach the sky. All of us. Each one of these shortcomings are the veils. That's the curtain. That's what's separating us between us and God. Each one of these character flaws, you're cheap, you're stingy, you're over, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, a fool and uh, you don't want to learn Torah, you're too prideful, you're one of these people that every time somebody wants to give you a chidush, before you finish the first sentence, you always say, no, no, I know, I know. I love those people. I know, I know. They know everything. So why'd you come to the shiur if you already know? I know, I know, I know. Rabbi says all of these character flaws, that's the curtain, that's the veils. That's what separates us between man and God. As it says in the prophet Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2, it's your sins that separate you between you and your God. Your sins. Meaning your shortcomings. So here, the Rambam, who is also called Moses, gives us the secret of Moses. 
gives us the secret of Yaakov Avinu. Gives us the secret to never be one of these people. The Rabban Yehuda or Natan in Korbanot says Chayav Mita. They give us the secret. You want to be a walking Kiddush Hashem? You want to be a tzaddik? You want to be worthwhile in this world? Start by removing these veils. Start by working on your midot. Start by removing these bad character traits. And you can only remove them if you work on them. First, if you have anger problems, start working on anger. But not through a self-help book that you buy from Barnes and Noble. By Gemara, by Musar, by instructions from the manufacturer. Because each time you remove one of these veils, you're going to be closer to God. And each time you're closer to God, you're going to understand how Yaakov Avinu was able not to say Lashon Ara for 20 years. How Yaakov Avinu was able to thank Hashem, have such level of emunah where he thanked Hashem for all the problems. To such an extent, he says, Katonti, all these problems are so great, it's too good. And it all starts with making a very simple choice. If you already believe in the Torah, which Baruch Hashem, most all of us here believe, you believe in the Torah, you believe it's real, the first step we have to do is read what it says. Second step is start doing. Start doing what it says. Where do you aim? You don't have to be Abraham Avinu. You don't have to be Tzach Avinu. You don't have to be Moshe Rabbeinu or Yaakov or anyone else. You don't have to be Rabbi Yudah. All you have to do is honestly look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, you know what, today I served the Shem at least as good as Yaakov served Lavana Rasha. Any questions? Amen. <laughs>